welcome to the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. I have a great friend with me uh, here today, Pastor Chris Marshall, New Life Christian Ministries in the, the thriving metropolis of Saxonburg, Pennsylvania. Population, Pastor Chris of Saxonburg? 1,500. 1,500. And, uh, and I've asked Pastor Chris to come today and to help share his story with you and some of the things you've learned. And uh, so let's get right into it. And so, number one, thank you for coming and oh, doing this. More than welcome. I'm glad to be here, John. Now, you didn't get into pastoring the church you or pastoring in a very traditional or normal way? No, not at all. I had been in the Presbyterian church system for 17 years. Uh, I was pastoring a church, actually, uh, not too far from Saxonburg, Middlesex Township, PA. And uh, I'd been there 11 years. I was very happy there. The church was a thriving church. It was going very well. But the denomination uh, made a lot of decisions that, uh, just let's just say, I, I believe weren't uh, in accordance with Scripture. So my wife and I believed God was calling us out of the denomination, which unfortunately meant we had to leave the church. So we had a plan. The plan was simply to, uh, I was going to do carpentry work for a while to pay the bills, and then we were yeah. going to plant a church in Cranberry, because yep. there's a lot of people in Cranberry. Yeah. Yeah, but yep. God had a different plan, and just a couple days after I left uh, the PCUSA, uh, God opened the door for uh, us to have a building in a little place called Ivywood, which is outside of Saxonburg. I was at that first service. <laughs> yeah. You need a helicopter yeah. to find it. It's, that, it's, that. it's a hard place to find, right? Yeah. So we were there for a couple years, and we moved to schools in Saxonburg for nine years, and then finally got a building yeah. uh, back in 2013. Well, the thing that I think is unique that maybe people won't have a context for that but anybody who pastors a church who has started the ministry knows is that you have a passion that's greater than risk. Yes. And so you walked away from everything, uh, retirement, income, and you weren't 25 when you did this. When did this occur in your life? I was 44. 44 years old, mm -hmm. kids in, in school, mm -hmm. and today you are how old? I'm 61. I'll be 62 in June. And uh, you look great, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but uh, Thank but you. so... I. You're in Saxonburg. Now, mm -hmm. many, many, many of the churches that we serve and that we all work together are not in, and, and Cranberry's not a population center like New York City, but compared to, to, to Saxonburg's population, it is. So you, you're a very gifted person, and, uh, and you've been very, you were very effective where you were. Uh, you're, you're the only guy I know that went to Princeton for his for a postgraduate degree. Uh, they would have let me go to Princeton, but that would have been to clean the grounds. But but the fact of it is, you could have gone and done other things that would have fit the the picture of what people would consider success. Uh, but you went there and you. And what's occurred? And how how long has the church existed today? We'll be celebrating 18 years in April. And. Even though we were friends back then, it doesn't feel like 18 years. No, not at all. I think that had, that was at least seven or eight years ago. <laughs> uh, but time sure does fly, right? Mm -hmm. But what's happened there is you started with virtually just a handful, Ivywood, that building that... And I'm not putting it on. Thank God for oh, beginning, thank God right? for Ivywood, yes. And uh, But help us just a little bit to understand... Take people where you are today, and then let's go back very quickly. Okay. Well, uh, this past weekend in our four services, we uh, we had a uh, thousand and fifty-two people in worship. Yeah, it's incredible. We broke the thousand barrier three times now this year. How many so, people again live in Saxonburg? Fifteen hundred. 
Now, uh, now, very often people think when you say that, that means it's connected to a community, connected to a community, connected to a community. Because Cranberry, Wexford, mm. on, we, mm. you can't tell where one ends, the other begins, right? Right. Saxonburg's not like that. No, it's a very rural area. I mean, the place where we bought property, the 20 acres we owned, was a cornfield with a little uh, house and a garage yes. on it. Now, uh, in you can get to populated areas in 15 minutes. Oh, sure, yes. Out of uh, Saxonburg. But as far as... There's not like a town bumping up against Saxonburg. I've no. been there. Mm-hmm. There is, there's just rural community outside right. of that. I'm saying that for a reason, uh, Chris, is that so often people think that God can do great things only in places where the, the circumstance gives you permission. Right. You went somewhere unpredictable, mm-hmm. and you did something, and God has done something very unpredictable. Now, anyone listening to this says, well, that's just that's a miracle. Well, I, I don't disagree, okay? But there were some things you did very, very intentionally. So when you reflect on your fruitfulness, Mm -hmm. let's talk about some of the keys. Um, You said this to me, new life became an overnight success in 12 years. Right. And so you're in your 18th year. Talk to us a little bit about that. Right. What I meant when I said we became an overnight success in 12 years is when we moved into our building, which was the first time we had our own building Mm -hmm. that we had built, was in 2013. Okay. So we had been in existence 12 years. We were worshiping under 400 people when we went into the building. So that was in 2013, and now we're worshiping 1,000. Um, so that means that in these past number of years, not very many, right, right? Uh, coming up on six years, yes. we have more than doubled in size, yes. almo- well, tripled almost in and, size. You know, to the point of perseverance that you mentioned to me mm-hmm. when we were talking earlier, when you were in your Ivywood location, which was kind of, it was a church, but it mm-hmm. was a very older church, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and it's not an exaggeration. There is no way to, nobody's coming up on this church unless someone gives them directions. Right. You don't right. drive by this, right? right? No one drives by it. Right. You, so you guys left there, though, went to the, and started uh, setting up and tearing down at the school. Uh-huh, the local because school. it Because it would give you more ability to touch more people and to be more uh, impacting by location. Right. But something happened that you maybe didn't expect when you left. Right. When we, we were at the building in Ivywood for only a couple of years, and we, we started out, we actually started out with a fairly significant number of people, mm-hmm. about 180. Yes. Um, by the second year, we were at about 225. Yep. Um, so we broke the 200 barrier right away, uh, you know, the barriers that people talk yes. about. Um, but when we moved from Ivywood to the high school, we went in one week. We went from 220 to 170. How'd that feel? Terrible. Uh, and, and I mean, we were in an auditorium that held 750 people. And Did we you were, feel like you'd made a mistake? I never felt like we made a mistake. What I felt like was we didn't interpret what was happening very well. Okay. I, I, I own that. I did a terrible job of casting the vision for why we were moving to the school. That yes. we needed to do it was for sure. We would never be where we are today if we right. had stayed at Ivywood. So you didn't make perfect decisions? Never. <laughs> well, yeah. but, but you know, Chris, when, when we get around people, me personally, uh, and candidly, when I get around you sometimes, you, you're a very gifted person. And, and I'm not going to pretend that, that uh, I said this to you earlier, and I really do mean it. If God called me to Saxonburg, I think we could have been fruitful. I don't think there's a, a prayer we'd have a church of a thousand because my gifts are not that broad. I don't think, I know, I just know in my heart that there's a reason God put me somewhere like Cranberry. There'd be enough people to turn over <laughs> to be able to, to live through the mistakes. So not everyone's going to have your level of gift. 
And you say, yeah, but he started with all those people. How long were you at the other church? At Ivywood? No, at the Presbyterian Church. I had been there 11 years. Okay. And you were very fruitful there. Mm -hmm. But I also want people to understand that leaving a Presbyterian church to come into a non-denominational church Mm -hmm. is next to impossible to get people to buy into that. Right. And actually, from day one, John, we decided when we started New Life, we weren't starting another Presbyterian church. We were starting a church that was going to have indigenous worship, you know, the contemporary music, dressing, like... You do every yes. every day. Um, technology, yeah. we had, from day one, we had, you know, uh, the words were up on the screen. We yes. didn't have hymn books. Uh, we didn't have pew Bibles. We didn't have all the yes. stuff that you usually have in a more traditional church. And that also, was purposeful. And I also want to say that you've never said a negative word to me about being Presbyterian. No. So this is not about something's wrong with being Presbyterian, and I think you've made that clear. But I want to give that caveat in case somebody's a Presbyterian pastor. We're not suggesting that you can't thrive or God's called you. You did what you did because of your your values, mm-hmm. but you you, you give the, you gave this quote by John Maxwell to me earlier, and, and and the fun thing for me is to be able to do this with a friend, and mm-hmm. we've known each other for a hundred years now. Mm-hmm. What is it? How long have we been friends? I think it's twenty two years. That's incredible, mm-hmm. and that's something I would tell pastors: <laughs> you you want to you want to run this race, you better run it with people that will that will fight through life with you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I know that I could call you if if Michelle and I needed something, we could call you and Nancy. And, and I know you'd do anything to help. You'd use any resource you had simply because I know you love us. You know we love you all. And, and if you're listening to this and you're an isolated leader, please, 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 please change that picture. Right. And I want to underline that. New Life, literally, New Life wouldn't exist without Victory Family Church and without you, John, and, and Michelle. You guys have stood by us in the hard times. And that's what I think most, and it's the funny thing is, and, and I, I'm not, again, I'm not going to say anything negative about the Presbyterian Church. Those 17 years I served, um, God used me and the churches we served to reach lost people and get them saved. Um, but the thing is that they, the Presbyterian Church is known as a connectional church. You know, they support each other, they encourage each other. I have been more connected to people who have actually made an impact in ministry in the non-denominational world through you, you know, you and Michelle, Jim and Tamara Graff. There, I could go on and list a whole bunch of people, Jay and Carol Passvent, yes. Jeff and Melly Leak. We have those friendships that have continued over decades yes. now. Yes. And and we've been there to help each other. And if you're a pastor listening to this and you don't have another pastor, mm-hmm. another couple you, that, yeah. that you can you know sit down and cry with, laugh yep. with, celebrate with. I mean, that's the thing. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about how you know when one member suffers, we all suffer. Yes. We're pretty good at the suffering thing, but yeah. when one member is honored, we all rejoice. But yes. that's the part that's hard, you know? I can't really always sit down with somebody and say, hey, we just broke a thousand and right. have them celebrate. Right. But you celebrate. I mean, because yes. that it, it's it is impossible. What Jesus has done in Saxonburg, Pennsylvania Absolutely is, is impossible. I you agree. know, and and so to be I able agree. to have people come alongside and this and, and that's the other part. Uh, I, I you, we didn't get to your quote, so let's go ahead and get to your the, quote. The, the Maxwell quote that mm-hmm. you you told me a little bit earlier. He said, In America today, you don't have to run the race to win, you just have to stay on the track because everyone else will quit. And, and, and we've seen that. I mean, it's a, it's a sad statistic, but mm-hmm. hundreds of pastors are leaving the ministry every yeah. day. You know, yeah. churches are closing. Thank God, more churches are being planted now. Yes. But, but the bottom line is, ministry's hard in any circumstance. Yes. If you're doing it alone, it's really hard. And at New Life, we decided to start from day one. We didn't start with just a pastor, you right, know? Right. And I told you, we had a youth pastor 
we had a, a part-time administrative assistant who, who uh, or an administrative pastor, really, who worked way more than part-time. She worked almost a full-time. I yep. would say she did work full-time. And we, we started off with a web person, you know, yeah. back in 2001 in Ivywood. I mean, that seemed a little crazy, and in part-time worship. So we had a team to start with. Yes. And I know that in a lot of smaller churches, it's the pastor. Right. But even if the pastor is only paid staff, you yes. can still have a team. Well, and you and, did. I mean, and, it was clear. And you you also make a statement that you had a mission too big for anyone to accomplish. And when you say that, that's the vision that was in your heart. And what when you hear, oh, he's running, he, he broke a thousand, and, and he's a gifted guy, and he, you know, he's obviously X, Y, and Z. What I know from watching what you and Nancy have done is that you've gone through the personal assaults in life, in ministry, that would knock out anybody. I mean, would just you're down for the count. There's something in the both of you that you refuse to lay down something because it wasn't, a, when I watch you two, it wasn't about success. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even about growing a church. It was about, Jesus, you called us to do something. Mm-hmm. And no matter how this turns out, we're going to be here until, the, until you call us to leave or until they put us in a grave. And that perseverance and that heart, you can't exaggerate that. Because I think there are many people that would have went through the things I know you guys have gone through, and they would have thrown in the towel. Well, and I'm not telling you, I can't tell you that we didn't want to do it many times. Right, you know, right. I mean, when we went from 220 to 170, ultimately 150, and we mm-hmm. stayed there for a couple of years. I had never how been many, in a church. How long? A couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah. We had never been in a situation. I mean, in the 17 years I was in the Presbyterian Church, every year, growth, sustained growth, growth, yep. sustained growth. Whether I was the assistant pastor in the big church I started at, whether it was at the other church, Glade Run, where I was for 11 years, we had always seen growth. And yes. then all of a sudden, it, and it was all of a sudden, because it was one week we were 220, yep. the next week we were down to 170, then it slowed down to 1 to 50. And, and during that time, there were people, both people that were members of the church, people like you and Michelle, who came alongside and, and helped us to stay the course. You know, yep. And we did the same things during that period of time that we were doing before when it, we were succeeding, mm-hmm. and it wasn't succeeding. Right. And, and, and the thing is, that breakthrough moment you know, and it, there were there were a number. I, I can point to a number of breakthrough moments. And one thing we were we we were at about that um, uh, one fifty number, and then they moved us from the big auditorium across the street to the smaller elementary school. And I'm yeah. not saying a building can make a difference, but right. it was a smaller environment, a more homing homey environment. Yep. People felt welcomed, and and we started to see a growth spurt. And when we were at two fifty, which we were in the little building, the the elementary school. Um, we had a very big tragedy in our church. A, a no. young woman, 17 years old, remember. a beautiful young woman, committed Christian. She was in a single car accident. She was driving and she was killed. The week before her death, we were worshiping 250. The next weekend, 350 people showed up. They were hurting just like we were. And they wanted, basically, they wanted to know what's going on, you know, how does stuff like this happen? How do we deal with it? And the thing is, those 350... That week, they came back the next week and the next week and the next week because they found the love of Jesus, the truth of Jesus. And when you put those two things together, you know, over we really are a community. And even now with a thousand people, we have four services. This past weekend, we had three services that were a little over 200, one service that was almost 400. You add those all up, it comes up to a thousand. And so we don't feel like a big church. And, and, And 
one of the best things that I can hear is we had a second time guest and we, we have a connection card, we call it, and people can make comments. And they said, the reason we came back this week is because of how welcome we felt the first week. It's amazing. And well, that's also, the thing. But also, that's one of the upsides to a smaller community. Mm-hmm. When there is a community event, it's if you go to even a place like Cranberry, it's not felt, certainly if you go into the city of Pittsburgh. But if something tragic happens in a small community, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the whole community feels it. Right. There's, and, there's no, and it's palpable. Mm-hmm. And so when you have paid that price to be that place that, that, that you've been there and you've been there and you've been there, and then people come because they have a need. Mm-hmm. You you earned that credibility. Mm-hmm. And so you've talked to me about the fact that you felt one of your spiritual gifts is that you have this capacity to have faith in God that's a grace deposit in your mm-hmm. life as a leader. Mm-hmm. And yet trusting God, but then violating the principles of the Word of God to grow and to build a ministry are two different things. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are saying, well, if I just had that intangible ability to trust God, maybe like Chris and Nancy Marshall do, then I could be more fruitful. But you you translated that into giving ministry away. Mm-hmm. And where so many pastors end up being the repository of so much of the work, of which, number one, they're not called to do. Mm-hmm. The Scripture actually teaches you not to do mm-hmm. and to equip others to do. But I know from day one, you made a commitment to give ministry away, and you referred to the team kind of analogy. Mm-hmm. Would you just go to that? Because I, I really think pastors need to truly grasp that there are practical steps that you take mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you trust God. Right. Well, uh, the analogy is if you think of a golfer, a basketball team, and a football team, when you're a golfer, you're it. You know. And, and actually, John Maxwell said a long time ago, one pastor who's very effective and disciplined can help a church get to the 200 barrier. I mean, it won't sustain, but you can get there. Yeah. You know? But you're doing everything, and, uh, and the ministry revolves around you, and if you were gone, the ministry would be gone. But to get from 200 to 500, you have to move more from a, the golfing analogy to the basketball team, five players. And on a basketball team, if you have two really good players right. and three okay, you can still win games. You know, It's better to have five really good players. Right. And what happened at New Life, and in fact, we were at, at four full-time people when we moved into the building. Um, so we were about at the basketball team, and yep. we had some part-time people. So we were about at the basketball team. you moved team, into your new facility. The new facility okay, in 2013, yes. 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 And when we did that, um, those teammates, some of them had already been on the staff for a couple of years at that time. You know, And we have had longevity in our staff. Um, we, our worship pastor's been there since 2007. So you mm-hmm. know, what that's coming up on 12 years, our discipleship pastor, who was a youth pastor, was here yeah. since 2010. So, so the team has been around, and they're very talented. But the thing is, if you're the golfer and suddenly you have a basketball team, the mentality is, give me the ball. Right, right. I want right. to shoot every shot, and if you take every shot and you're the hero, then eventually the other four people are like, "What, what am, am I here, here for?" Yeah, you right. know. And so I had to learn uh, to give things. I started out as a youth pastor, so right. you know, youth ministry is very near to my heart. But I'm not the youth pastor, right. and, I, and I certainly was never a worship pastor, so it was easy to give that away, right? You know. And so as we've added staff, and, and now we're at the point where we have nine full time staff and uh, nine part time staff, so it's more like a football team. Would you think it's safe to say you'd be more, instead of wanting to be the hero, you're more desiring to be the hero maker? That's exactly the change, the shift that I'm making. I'm 60. And who wrote that book again? It's Hero Maker? Dave Ferguson. 
It, wrote a book called Hero Maker, and it's yeah. really impacting my life a great deal. Yeah, I'm reading it because, as well right now. It's a um, great book. That is an incredible book. And I'm 60, almost two. Yes. So I'm not going to be around for 30 more years as right. the lead pastor of New Life. Right. So what I'm seeking to do and have been doing, you know, intentionally for the yes. last five years is building into these younger staff folks yes. and the volunteers in the church, the members of the church, so that their story is the one. Because frankly, <laughs> One person doesn't bring a thousand people into any church, no matter exactly. how good they are, right. you know. And uh, and and it's not about the one person anyway. It's about Jesus. Yes. And Jesus made his disciples the heroes. When yes. when he left, he gave them a worldwide mission, and they didn't. They had a, just a local mission before yeah. he left. But he equipped them. He equipped them. Yes. And so we've had a mentality of equipping leaders, uh, and we talk about a leadership pipeline. You know, developing yes. leaders, yeah. um, and that has to be. The, the goal, it should be the goal at the beginning of a church with five people. Yes, yes. But if you're going to break the barriers from like two to five, you, you have to start doing that. And you're never going to have a thousand people in worship in a weekend. Our, our, our children's pastor said it takes 45 people to staff the children's ministry every week. You know, our youth ministry, I think, has like 60. Um, and so in order to have 45 to staff, you know you have to have three times that many, right. you know, people. So there are every person, uh, not every person is in ministry. That's our goal, but yes. not everyone that's there. But most of the people are involved in some kind of ministry. Jesus has given all of us gifts and skills and abilities. Right. And if we if we clutch on to them, then we can't. Um, empower the, the the possibilities that we've seen happen at New Life, and and our younger staff is so amazing at um, equipping others and letting others lead. Our youth pastor, for example, right now he's developed a, a presentation team, so he's not the only one that's up front speaking yes. to the teenagers. They have small group ministry. They're every every young person from sixth to twelfth grade. When they get in sixth grade, they have two small group leaders, and they stay with them through seventh, eighth, all the way through high school. It's amazing, and it's incredible, and and. That vision started. It started at the beginning. Of course, we couldn't do it at the beginning. Right, right. Um, and it's it has certainly uh, deepened over the years. So, what I would say to somebody who's in a church right now that has fifty people. I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up in a church with forty people. Yes. Um, and our pastor wasn't even full time. Yes. Um, most churches are under a hundred. So right. these principles are even more critical to break through that barrier. Right. Exactly. I, I think the key thing is don't do it alone. Yeah. You know. Do what Jesus made you to do. Yes. I mean, some, and, and the thing is that we have to realize everybody doesn't have a preaching gift right. or a teaching gift. Everybody, everybody, I don't have a high mercy gift. You know, I yeah. mean, if I had to do all of the pastoral care, we probably would be in trouble. I can do it, um, right. but I'm not that good at it, you know? Right. And so the bottom line is we're going to tend to go to our strength, which we should, yes. but we should look around and say, who else is there? And, and and one of the things that I realized when I was in the church that was smaller, when I was, you know, uh, 15 or well, 20 years ago now, we had a secretary who was really good. And I relied on her a lot. Mm-hmm. And she hadn't been relied on that much before. Yes. And she and I would tell her, you can do this. And she'd like, I'm allowed to give permission. You know, yes. like Well, you're a permission giving leader. Mm-hmm. And that's the part. See, people I think have a tendency to think this is an event mm-hmm. that, hey, one day. Chris went in and teams were built, but this is a, a belief system and a process that you have lived out mm-hmm. for your entire history of your ministry. And so if you were to leave somebody with a final word of encouragement, because mm-hmm. many people listening to this today, they can apply this to their setting, to the context where they are. Some may be in a good season, some maybe not. This is applicable across the board. Mm-hmm. 
But could you just take our final moments, talk to the guy or the lady listening to this. They just feel like, man, I'm working so hard and I don't feel like I'm ever going to break through to do what's in my heart, not mm-hmm. to be successful or some superficial right, thing. to do what Jesus put in their yeah, heart. Yeah, man, my heart. Mm-hmm. So talk to that person in our final moments. What would you say to them? Hey, take this next step mm-hmm. and commit to that and give it X amount of time and, and let this produce in your heart. What would, you, what would you say to them? What I would say is find two or three people, whether they're members of your church, whether they're already on your staff, invest in them develop their talents, and let them do what, what they can do. Let go of some stuff. I mean, what, what you're going to have to do to get to any next level is you're going to have to develop leaders around you who are going to use their God-given gifts um, to minister to people. Because if I have to provide all the ministry or you have to provide all the ministry, right. it's never going to be more than – effectively, it's, Jesus only had 12 Right, you exactly. Know? So, uh, and he's Jesus, you know. So we're <laughs> never going to have right. we're never going to have the capacity to minister to a thousand people, five hundred people, a hundred people, right? Exactly. On our own, as effectively as if you just invest in two or three people. Yeah. And and that's and I know it's going to sound like, well, I can't do that because there's a hundred people or there's fifty people and they're all wanting me to give their attention. Yes, they all want your attention. But that isn't going to help build the kingdom of God. Right. It isn't going to help you to ultimately serve, even them, serve them the best. Right. If you will invest in two or three people who um, love Jesus, who have a gift, and then let them invest in other people, you're developing the framework that ultimately multiplies to whatever size yes. your church will so be. So in essence, find two or three people in which you can invest your life, you can pour your values into that you have to provide them opportunities to use those mm-hmm. gifts mm-hmm. in a meaningful way, yes. that you celebrate their accomplishments, not yours, mm-hmm. then in essence, then asking them to do the same thing, mm-hmm. which is the multiplication effort. Right. And so, you know, as we as we close today, Chris, one, I want to thank you. One, for just being a great friend. <laughs> uh, two, for taking the time to, to invest in the lives of those listening to this podcast. And if, and if you are listening to this today and you have a desire to just do more for what of what God's put in your heart, Surround yourself with people like like Chris. Get in their presence, or at least get their their material. Mm-hmm. And as we keep coming together as a group, in our case through the Exchange Network, we just want to connect the dots for people. And so we're very grateful for you taking the time to listen to this. Uh, Chris, would you pray for them as we go as we close the, I'll be glad the, the to. podcast? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your goodness and love. We thank you for sending Jesus to redeem us. God, today I pray for everyone listening, that wherever they are, whatever ministry they have, that you would inspire in all of us, God, the desire to make heroes of those around us, that develop leaders um, who will develop leaders, and, and to develop disciples who will develop disciples. God, I pray for encouragement. I pray for perseverance. I I, I know that of all of the just practical, mundane things that we can have, just staying on the track when everybody else is walking off is is such a, a powerful message sent to, to everyone watching. And God, I pray your encouragement and your blessing on each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. Catch you next month. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Your reviews expand our reach. So if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please take time to rate and review us. We look forward to having you with us on the next episode of the John Muzo Leadership Podcast.